Yes, sir. Good tunes are an absolute must. What's happening, guys? Welcome back to the show. This is Creating Space, and I'm your host, Wes Knight, former professional soccer player turned mindset coach and motivational speaker. I am extremely pumped to bring to you Jake Ducey, the guest for today's show. But first, I got to give you tons of love for all the feedback, shares, and likes that you have given me on this past Monday's Mindset Monday piece. I have to tell you, it fills me up when you guys are giving me feedback, telling me what you like, uh, explaining to me how it's changing and shifting your day and how it's adding so much value to your week as it shifts your mindset into the right direction. I'm more inspired than ever to continue to bring you that content to keep pushing you to be great. Before we kick off today's guest, I want to leave you with a quote, a quote that really impacted me this week and I want to push it on to you. Dr. Eric Thomas, an incredible motivational speaker, had this quote, and I heard it on a YouTube video, and it was an immediate injection of this ambition and passion and desire. It really connected with me. The quote goes a little something like this. You're already in pain. Do something with it. Allow your pain to push you to greatness. Man, That's so impactful. Allow that energy that you feel, which you interpret as pain, to push you to be great. Use the fuel to motivate you to get to the next level. Thank you, Dr. Eric Thomas, for that, uh, as you've motivated me throughout the rest of this week. Now, without further ado, let's get into this week's guest. We've got Jake Ducey. Jake is a published author of three books. Not only that, he's a great motivational speaker who has his own TED Talk called Living It Versus Learning It, and I think that's a great title for this chat. He really is an insightful, intelligent uh, young man with an uncanny ability to recall quotes at any moment. It's fantastic. You're going to get to witness it. Um, a couple things we talk about. We talk really about living a life true to yourself. We talk about destination addiction, how so many individuals are focused on getting to this point in their life that they think will provide them happiness, and it never does. Um, One of the great quotes that he left us with is, the point of a goal isn't what you get. The point of a goal is who you become. I thought that was fantastic. Um, He talks about happiness being a state of consciousness, and we go all over the place talking about aspects and values that are important for you to develop throughout your life that can add to your happiness. So let's get into the show. I want you to welcome Jake Ducey to Creating Space. Hey guys, what is happening? Welcome back to Creating Space. I've got a guy who helped me on my drive back from Atlanta to Charlotte. That five-hour drive on the way back was spent listening to this guy, Jake Ducey. Jake has three books at a very young age. He's the author of Into the Wind, The Purpose of Principles, and Profit from Happiness. Not only that, he's an internationally recognized keynote speaker where he speaks at tons of colleges and Fortune 500 companies alike across the entire world. Not only that, he has a TEDx talk. His TEDx talk is living it versus learning it, and it is incredible. It's like 13 or 14 minutes of just pure energy and passion where he talks about his journey. Jake, dude, what's happening? Welcome to Creating Space. What's up, Wes? What's going on, my man? Oh, good day today so far. Got a couple I'll, candles lit. 
Uh, I like it. I'm you guys, the listeners, you guys can't see Jake, but right now he's got this awesome hat that he's wearing. He's already got a, a cool uh, hairdo, but his hat is even cooler. Tell me a little bit about that hat, man. Uh, Graham girlfriend's grandpa got it in Australia. I don't know, probably 30 years ago and never wore it. And it was in literally perfect condition. It's probably like a $200 hat and got it in perfect condition. And then gave it to gave it to me and so it's been last year we did a, like um we did like 40 states and two countries on tour and it went with me the whole time so it's it's gotten it's uh it's gotten its wear across the world so that's good that it's incredible man here here's what i see when i see jake Ducey. i see a cool guy very comfortable in his own skin um very comfortable teaching people about what he feels because he knows what he feels is genuine how does Jake Ducey see Jake Ducey? <laughs> um, I mean, I see myself as just pretty regular guy. You know, I, uh, I'm a college dropout. I don't have a degree. Um, I failed junior English class in high school, and I had to finish an independent study. I got kicked out of my class. And so, you know, I was in the class where there's like you're in a room by yourself, basically, and there's like a teacher who isn't your teacher, but she like monitors to make sure like nothing happens and like <laughs> you pick your own assignments basically. And so I finished in classes like that. And I was a, I was a good basketball player in high school, first team all San Diego. We're the number one team in San Diego. And Whoa. I was just basically, that was how I, you know, that was how I passed classes and stuff like that, you know, so pretty regular dude. And um, you know, partied a lot, got in a lot of trouble and, you know, eventually I was pretty unhappy and it led me to, you know, personal development books. And I started realizing there was a lot more to life and a lot more to who I was as a, as a human being, you know, um, on planet earth. And I started to get curious about that. And, and, you know, years later now I, I teach, about I'm a teacher about um, the power of our mind and and the power of 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 our creativity to bring to life the things in our imagination to better our lives and better the lives of those around us. I love that man. We share that exact same passion. I have uh, a desire and a will and a love to teach the exact same thing. But before we get to your awesome story, I want to stay right there with the fact that you and I are both college dropouts. I left early to enter the 2009 MLS draft and I never finished. And I don't plan on going back to finish because I feel that school isn't fit for me, that life, I'm more fit for life and I enjoy pursuing and creating my own life. Um, What do you feel about how society has framed formal education and kind of the subsequent direction that it heads sometimes people into lives that they don't necessarily love. Yeah. I mean, I'm not pro or against school. Um, Napoleon Hill in thinking grow rich, he talks about general knowledge versus specific knowledge. And Henry Ford was once put on trial for, for being ignorant, some comments that he said, and he was a, it was a big court hearing. And the guy was asking him questions about the war of 1812 and, blah, 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 how many British soldiers entered the war? And he said, well, I think it was a lot less than what came back. And um, (laughs) just stuff like that. And eventually he got sick of this guy's questions. And he said, listen here, dude, um, why would I ever fill my brain with such general knowledge when I have a 
when I have a desk full of buttons and I can press any button I want and men will come to my aid and answer any question that I need answered. So why would I fill my mind with such general knowledge? There's a difference between general knowledge and specific knowledge. General knowledge is, um, you know, a right, how many degrees are in a right angle and all this general knowledge is, is primarily what school is. So that's, you have to take your general requirement education classes before you can do, you know, any other type of schooling that you actually want to do before you can get to your majors. And so I, um, I realized that for what I wanted to be, it wasn't specific enough. So I think there's nothing wrong with school. It teaches us how to gather information, but it doesn't teach you how to gather the information that can specifically help you to your own certain unique desires. You know, it can teach you how to, you know, learn to study and things like that. But the question is, what are you studying? And so, um, you know, obviously this isn't a one size box fits all. Albert Einstein has that quote, if you try to make everyone the same, some people are going to seem stupid, but they're really not. And so I think that, you know, at the end of the day, it's about what is it that you really want to do? And then what type of schooling is appropriate? I'm certainly a student. I spend most of my time studying. My, my assistant um, retypes my books that I study. I take notes as if I'm in school textbooks. So I study, but I just study the things that are applicable to what I want to do with my life. I love that you've you've found what it is that is your passion and then you create all your ideas subsequently around that umbrella and making sure that you understand it. You are constantly well versed on what it is that you're learning so then you can go and share and be properly educated and uh, cr- your credentials can be uh, proper. I felt when I was listening to you speak, and I'm sure my listeners have now realized you can quote things very quickly and very accurately. It shows that you're well-versed. Tell me this. It took me getting hit with a massive knee injury and suffering identity loss and on the brink of suicide in Vancouver for me to start to figure out, okay, what I've been pursuing my entire life is not really what I love and meant here to do, and I needed that. It was hard, Jake, but I needed that. Has there been a time in your life where you've had a similar uh, situation? Yeah, well, I mean, I had a, I tore my IT band my senior year of high school playing basketball and um, you had to have surgery myself. So I went there and had that same experience, eventually realizing sports wasn't for me, school wasn't for me, but I'll take it another way. When I was 19, I dropped out of college, travel around the world, eventually decided to come back, write this whole book. And my dream was to be published by a certain publishing company. And so I took eight by 11 pieces of paper, blank eight by 11 pieces of paper, printer paper. And I wrote, I'm so happy and grateful now that I'm published by, and it was a certain publishing company. I took hundreds of those papers. I taped them all over my walls. Literally, you walked into my room and my wallpaper was this affirmation, was a statement. It was on my ceiling. It was on my walls. It was on my doors. It was in my bathroom. And I was convinced that they were going to publish me. And then they rejected my manuscripts when I was 20. So I had to pull every piece of paper off the wall, literally one by one. I had to pull, like picture that. That was painful, I'm I'm sure. That was was painful. I was crying. I had to pull everyone and then throw them in the trash can. (laughs) And um, that was a big turning point because I realized that the point of a goal isn't what you get. The point of a goal is who you become. And your dreams are always asking you, 
Um, who do you need to become? Who are you willing to become? And so that was a big turning point where I realized if I would have got that publishing contract, I would have never learned how to promote, how to speak, how to do my own marketing. I would have never went on the road like I did, sold my books out of the trunk of my car. I would never learned any of that. And, and I never would be able to, uh, be the CEO of my own business because I would have been contingent upon other people for the rest of my life to publish my books, to print my books, to do my marketing, to sell everything, to, to get my message out to the world. Oh, it's, it's incredible what you've done at at such a young age. I, I too have had a similar feeling like that. I was using manifestation and law of attraction techniques when I was younger without even realizing it. I had posters of uh, professional soccer players all over my room. I mean, there was no blank space, Jake. And (laughs) when I went home after the injury with the idea that I was going to turn into a real estate agent because I had given up, I thought my knee was never going to be repaired. I had to take down those posters because it was so painful me for me to sit in the room and look at what I had. So I had to take those down and I actually ended up burning them. All to say that it's a very painful process to realize that that one part of your life has ended, but then it becomes a beautiful process when you understand that a new new journey and a new aspect is growing. I, I want to know, I, I heard in your story that you were traveling all over Guatemala and, and all these places all over the world. And then you had this kind of aha moment. And I know it, but I don't know. I know my listeners don't know it. Tell me, run me through that story again. Um, To backtrack, this all started because I was in economics class in college. And I asked my teacher why we can't audit the Federal Reserve, Prince of Controls, the, the American money, and pretty much the currency of the world. And I... And he told me basically to shut up and memorize the textbook. And I thought that was a pretty intelligent question to ask in an economics class where I'm being groomed to enter the business world and we have the greatest economic debt we've ever had and there's no signs of getting out of it. Seemed like an intelligent question. And he said, shut up. And the whole class was angry because I was arguing and they wanted to memorize the textbook. And that was when I realized that for me, it wasn't a conducive place for my learning wasn't going to make me successful, wasn't going to make me a creative person. And it was just teaching me how to memorize stuff that actually wasn't even pertinent to who I wanted to become. And so I, that's when I decided to eventually drop out, take my few thousand dollars to savings, just do some backpacking. And I thought that the world was screwed. So I thought I could leave America, then I'll find a better life. And so I went around the world, as you said, eventually you know, after months found myself in Indonesia and I had met a few locals and they, we became quick friends, didn't really know each other well though. Right. I only knew them for a few days. And eventually they said, Hey, I want to take you to my favorite waterfall. They said, okay, that sounds awesome. Let's do it. So we hopped on a boat, went to another Island. We're out in the middle of nowhere. I'm the only, I'm the only white dude out there and everyone's looking at me. Right. And we, we head way out there on these little motorcycles and we're on this little one lane highway and it's starting to pour rain, beautiful tropical rain where the green mountains are poking into the rainforest clouds. And it's like the poking of the tip of the mountain is popping the clouds and the water is coming out. It's beautiful. And we head up this little tiny road. We're literally in the middle of nowhere. There is no buildings. There's like a couple concrete shacks with no doors. And you head up this mountain, get to the top of the mountain. And he parks the bike in the middle of the mud. We're here. I'm like, where are we? You know, there's no trails. This is not America. And, and so it's literally the middle of nature. 
middle, there's no trails. And we're hiking these big 10, 12 foot boulders uh, covered in moss to get up to this waterfall that they wanted to take us to. It's pouring rain, but it's gorgeous. And spend the day there, we're swimming in the pool. And, and it's like one of those places where you can't see anything. So you could just yell like, I love my life. And it will just echo and no one can hear you. And it's just gorgeous. And we eventually are heading back down the mountain and we have to get back down because we need to take the boat back to the island that we were on before it gets dark. And, and I slipped and I slipped off the, the rocks in the rain. And I just instinctively, when you fall, you cover, you curl into a ball. So I instinctively curl into a ball. It's 12 foot fall or so. And, and I could hear them yelling my name, Jake, 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 and my life flashed before my eyes. And, you know, I always say it's a, it's a, I don't, I don't mean to be a spoiler for when you die, but when you die, the, the question that pops into your consciousness is, I wish I would have lived a life true to myself? Did I live a life true to myself? And that's actually been uh, proven. There's a palliative nurse named Bonnie Ware who studied like 20 or 30,000 people just before they die. A palliative nurse is someone who works with people on their deathbeds. So she works with dying people to help them have a smooth death. And so she started studying people and she found out um, by, by quizzing them and surveying them and getting to know all these people their number one regret was, I wish I would have lived the life true to myself. That's the number one regret that a human being has when they dies. And so it's the first question that popped into my consciousness. And I, and, and I was falling and I was like, damn, like, it, it feels like you're falling forever. It's literally like forever. It's like, damn, this is like, am I falling like a thousand feet or something? You know, like, <laughs> and you know, you like pop your like head back and just relax. And, um, and I realized that I was on the other side of the world. I was like, I'm, I, I could die right now when I hit the ground. My family's on the other side of the world. Like, what am I doing? And all this is like literally happening in a millisecond of time. And, and the next thing I know, I'm not falling anymore. And I'm like, whoa, this is like, this is what it's like after you die. Like, what am, what, what's happening right now? And I finally open my eyes and I come to him. Oh, whoa, I'm not dead. And my arm's bleeding, my leg's bleeding. But like, I'm like, I'm, I'm here. I'm in trauma and shock. But I'm like, arms, legs, everything seems like it's working. And I get creviced into some boulders. I'm creviced like 12 feet below where, where I was. And I, and I roll over and I kind of open my eyes. And one of the guys that I was traveling with jumped after me. And I thought, you know, he's going to die. I'm going to be stuck down here. The other guy's going to jump. He's going to die. The, you know, the Indonesian police are going to think I killed everyone. Like, <laughs> how am I going to explain this? I don't know what an Indonesian jail is like. Um, and so I just started crying because I thought he was going to die while he's jumping. I don't even know him. Like, I just met him a few days ago. He doesn't even know me. And he's jumping into just boulders covered in slippery moss that you can't even walk on pouring rain and 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 he can't get to me because i'm creviced down but he yells he's okay he's okay and i'm just in shock i say it's the most heroic thing that ever happened to me besides my mom birthing me but i don't remember my mom birthing me so it was the most heroic thing that i'm conscious of and and they couldn't get to me but they got him back up and eventually after 30 45 minutes they were able to levy themselves down kind of like rope like head first down and, and, and get down to me. And they're a few feet from me and 
they're like jump, but I don't want to jump because I think I'm going to pull them down. And they're little Indonesian guys, like 120 pounds. I'm 180 pounds, like six foot four. And I don't want to jump. I think I'm, they're just going to go face first and like break their necks and die. And eventually they're just seriously jump. So I jump, they pull me up. The next thing I know, I'm on solid ground shaking them. Like, you just saved my life. You just saved my life. But the one who saved my life, Johnny didn't even speak English. So he doesn't know what I'm saying. So he's like looking at me like with this blank face. <laughs> and then Ari translates to him what I'm saying. And like, they're just in shock. And long story short, you know, they got me back that night and I was in pain. But more than anything, I was, I was, I was emotionally traumatized and in shock. And the reason that I was, wasn't because I almost died, but because I was on the other side of the world with all these things that I knew that I should have been doing, writing my book, sharing my message, sharing my story. But here I was running away thinking that I'd find the answer if I got enough stamps on my passport or saw enough exotic beaches or a rainforest. And, and that was when I realized I was really messing up. And that's what prompted me to come home and eventually do what I'm doing now. Awesome, man. What a story. And you do so such a good job of illustrating all of the things to make it intense, impactful. You can see why it is such a, a game changer for you in your life. So now that you realize that, okay, what I'm searching for is not outside of me. What I'm searching for is within me. And you got connected to what I like to call, I call it the juice. The juice is um, the grind juice, the that kind of cosmic energy source that is you when you connect to what it is that you love and your passion. What have you, what is the difference for you when you were able to finally connect to your juice? I realize, you know, when you almost die, you realize Brendan Bruchard says, did I live? Did I love? Did I matter? And the last one is a significant one. Did I matter? And I finally realized that my life mattered. And when you're living through the the Paramahansa Yogananda calls it the choking monotony of ordinary existence. When you're lost in, in the matrix of conformity, it's easy to forget that your life actually has meaning and purpose and that you matter and you're here for a reason or you wouldn't have incarnated in the first place. You don't even realize that because you're so, um, your consciousness is so limited to the day-to-day -day mundane tasks of surviving the next day. And when you, when something happens, for me, it was a near-death experience. For other people, it's someone dying in a family. For other people, it's just they're so depressed, they're on the verge of suicide that they finally come to. Um, for other people, it's losing a house, or the house gets foreclosed, or they get fired. You come to and you say, well, what is life about? To Eric Thomas says, stop waking up like it's an accident. And I finally stopped waking up like it was an accident that I woke up in the morning. And, and every day you've lived your life with purpose since then. Three books, TEDx Talk, you travel all over the world. What are the, some of the most common questions that you get from the individuals that you speak in front of that show you what people are dealing with um, that you're speaking to? Well, it depends who's speaking to. Um, I did an interview yesterday for a teacher that works in inner city Minneapolis. 85% of his students are African-Americans. The rest are, um, are, are Hispanic. And they're uh, people that have been in quote unquote trouble, you know, been to juvie, you know, gotten in a lot of trouble and it's like a last chance school. And so what I would say to them is different because the system's rigged against them. They have, we have a privatized prison system that keeps minorities down so shareholders can profit. 
So what I would say to them is slightly different than what I would say to a suburban high school that doesn't know what that's like. But at the end of the day, it's the same. And, and the questions are, you know, how do I rise above my circumstance, regardless of whether, whether it is, whether I grew up in inner city or I grew up in suburbia or um, my parents were heroin addicts or my dad was a billionaire. You know, the question is the same is how do I rise above my circumstances and find happiness and be who I want to be? And so I think that's the common one. I always say, you know, the first thing is ask yourself, what would have to happen one year from now for you to look back and say it was your most successful, your most fulfilling year yet? We're so used to multiple choice. Our school conditions us to multiple choice that we forget life is fill in the blank. Life isn't multiple choice. It's not like, what income do you want? Let me circle this one here and then it'll show up. Like, who do you want to be? Let me circle doctor. You know, like, but that's the choices we get. You can be a doctor, you can be a business person, or like you can be an accountant. And maybe that's what you want to do. But the problem is most of us are limited to four or five choices, four or five majors in school, but life's filling the blank. So what is it that would actually make your life successful? And then from there, you know, what I was telling the kids that are um, quote unquote at risk is you have to know you have a conscious mind that can block out any noise. It can choose to accept or reject anything. So I tell you, Wes, I'm like, your name's Billy. Your conscious mind is like, no, my name's Wes, dude. Um, you have a conscious mind that can say when someone says that's not possible, you grew up in poverty or you got D's in schools or you were bad in English or whatever it is, you're stupid. You have a conscious mind that can accept or reject that information. That's the difference between a tree and a human being or a dog and a human being. A, a dog has to accept its circumstances. It can maybe dig a fence and climb out of the owner's house, but chances are not that well because the owner will just put more like cement blocks in front so the dog can't get out. You're not a dog. I'm not a dog. A human being has the ability to block out all the noise, to shut up all sensual stimuli, to block out the outside world and live from an inner vision. That's what a visionary is. It's someone who doesn't accept the outside world as circumstance as truth. To think what you want to think is to think truth regardless of appearance. So that's, that's kind of what I, what I, what I uh, question I'm asked and what I say. I like it. You have showed and exemplified a visionary spirit and you continue to blaze your own trail. A lot of individuals, as I set forth in my vision and continue to build creating space and push the message of positivity and pursuing happiness, a lot of questions I get is, Wes, man, you're, you're pursuing this life of happiness, but happiness is not a destination. It's a, it's a moment and it's ever fleeting. When you get to the, to the vibratory level of, of your subjective choice of happiness, whatever makes you happy, then it, it, it becomes elusive again. And, and the point of life is to continue to chase happiness. Do you prescribe to that notion? How do you feel about happiness being a point in life or it being just uh, a journey? Happiness is a state of consciousness. It's not contingent upon chasing something outside of yourself. So regardless, of, and, and Viktor Frankl proved that, in his book, A Man's Search for Meaning, he was in, he was in Auschwitz. Um, you know, arguably, you know, we think, you know, there's bad stuff in the world going on today. Arguably, he was subjected to some of the worst circumstances a human being could ever go through. And he said, he wrote a beautiful book about it. And he said, the one thing that you can't take away from a man is his mind. You can put me through any circumstance. 
You can take away my food. You can kill people in front of me. You could starve me to death, but you can't make me think something I don't want to think. And because of that, I can always be free. So happiness isn't contingent upon anything that you can see or hear with your eyes or taste with your mouth. That's pleasure. Happiness is a fulfillment. Uh, Spiritual freedom is a state of consciousness. So when you're coming from that state of consciousness, that state of heaven on earth, it's not contingent upon chasing something. Are there things that we do want to achieve and goals we want to set? Absolutely. But it's not contingent upon chasing something or arriving at a certain place. That's the destination addiction I had. And a lot of people do have. I always, when people come to my seminars, they always say, like, I'm going to go travel around the world. And I always know bullshit. You're hiding from something. It's not always. But generally, when someone wants to go, it's generally destination addiction. We think something out there will give us our happiness. And it's a state of consciousness. I, I like that. And I see a lot more individuals who are starting to realize that and are starting to put different aspects in their life to help them secrete through the superficial into what's really going on deeper and deeper. And I've noticed when I do that in my own path, the deeper I get, the bigger the problems exist because I've been able to push those away for such a long time, particularly love and and acceptance that I felt like I needed when I was younger and didn't necessarily get. Um, And a lot of what I'm learning, a lot of individuals have problems from their youth. Do you feel like you were able through your spiritual journey to uh, have the confidence and the courage to to go within and remove some of the things that were blocking your happiness? It's not confidence to go within. It was knowing that I literally can't be happy. I literally can't be who I want to be unless I solve what's going on. That's why the story of Buddha is he sat in front of, underneath the tree until he attained enlightenment, whatever that means, right? It's, it's whether it's true or not, you believe that that Buddha existed. The point is that he sat there, went within and pulled out the weeds that were blocking the garden from growing. So it, it, to me, it's, it's much more, it's much less about confidence and much more about wisdom and understanding that I can't be who I want to be or live how I want to live or feel what I want to feel unless I go within, then it's just a choice. Do I want that type of life or not? And a lot of people haven't suffered enough to go within. And that's the thing is suffering is what causes these changes to occur generally. And so for me, it's not about confidence, but about wisdom and understanding. Love it, man. It's a, it's a choice. Now, here's another key. I want to go a little bit further with you in this because you're very well versed in this. I'm, I'm looking at myself within and I see some things and man, it's kind of hurts when I start to to dig that up. Right. And that happens for so many people when it starts to become uncomfortable, we turn away and we don't want to look at it. What are some keys or some methods that you use to be able to quiet the noise again and continue to stare at whatever it is or your issues directly in the face until you can pull that weed out? Um, well, using any type of sound, is a good way to get in, to get away from the words and the thoughts. Not that thoughts ever disappear because you have a thinking mind. You can't really make it disappear, but you can unattach from the thoughts as much. And the problem is we, we get so attached to our thoughts that we believe we are what we think. And our thinking patterns are usually 
unconscious programs that are running about not being good enough. And we just keep giving energy to those thoughts uh, and it just takes our life. (laughs) And so, you know, like I'll make a sound when I meditate just for a couple minutes and kind of tune in. So it brings me into myself rather than just like immediately starting thinking about everything to do. Um, I record my own hypnosis. I literally with a microphone like yours and I go on GarageBand and I just rip some really nice sound off of YouTube. And then I record hypnosis over the top of it because most of bad programs, uh, thought programs, um, that's what they are. They're programs. So you have 65,000 thoughts in a day and psychologists tell us 95% of them are unconscious. And generally our unconscious mind is programmed by, um, up until the age of six, you don't even have a conscious mind. So all you're doing is recording everything outside of yourself. So the majority of the thoughts that we have are programs from parents, teachers, friends, media, music, uh, everything that we grew up with. And, and we live our whole lives out of the programs. And so um, when you hypnotize yourself, uh, when you rechange your unconscious programming, then you can kind of... Uh, take control back. And then the other thing is just recognize that you're not any of the things that scare you. <laughs> I have it's, a couple of those that I, as you were talking about the hypnosis that started to come up, those, that, that programming you're speaking of, I like that. Yeah. And it, none of it is us. It's all a program, you mm. know? So give me an example of a hypnosis, something that you will tell yourself that would be an idea or an example to help reverse the programming. Well, it depends, you know, if it's financial, um, I have a hypnosis that basically says, I'm so happy and grateful now that money comes to me in increasing quantities through many sources on a continuous basis. And a lot of other things like that. I listen to it over and over and over again because the the paradigm, which is just a multitude of habits, a multitude of belief systems, is generally, you know, money is scarce, there's a limited supply. So you're changing the program, the unconscious pattern. Another one might be around love for someone. Maybe their parents got divorced, mom beat dad, dad beat mom, whatever the case may be. So they associate their definition of love. This is someone in my seminar's definition of love was love is pain. And that's an unconscious program. Love isn't pain, but it's an unconscious program that we have. So then we associate it with, so then we self-sabotage every relationship just as it starts to get intimate. You know, the person that's been in seven relationships and they always push them away at the last minute. Why'd you do that? I don't know. They don't know why they're doing it. It's an unconscious program. It depends, you know, what the areas of our life that we're struggling in. And, you know, then we can identify what our paradigms are. And, you know, we can um, consciously choose new paradigms around finances or um, confidence or opportunities or love. You can choose whatever it is that you want to change it to. And, and people don't understand that they need to become enlightened to the fact that they can choose and they can create their own life and their vision and become that visionary that you're talking about. Let's, let's continue with that, man. You've done so much. But there's a lot more to do, I'm sure. I'm sure every day your your plan and your vision evolves. Where are you looking to continue to push your path and blaze your trail for the future? Oh, um, just getting in better shape. Uh, I want to be in better shape than when I was a, you know, when I I was, you know, a a great basketball athlete uh, is number one. I'm not the type of person that like works like 18 hours a day or something like that. You know, I know a lot of entrepreneurs online today, you know, talk about that, the grind and working 18 hours. I'm not like that. 
So I'm not like, I don't like sit around and like, just like work all day on projects or something like that. I just, I read a lot. I'm going to launch a, um, something I am passionate about here soon. Um, it's going to be called school of thought with Jake and it's going to be a book club, a membership book club for like 29 bucks a month, 39 bucks a month, one book a month. And every week I'll deliver a lecture on the designated chapters. Um, and then I, so I read my books, like a highlight and, and like, put out my notes like really extensive notes as if like I'm studying for a dissertation in college and so they're all going to be typed out and every week you'll get the notes and stuff like that and you know most people's problem is they either don't have time to read a book or they read a book and they don't really understand it or they um they uh have such bad attention spans that they're reading the book, but they're actually not reading any of it because they're thinking about something else the whole time. They don't remember anything. So I'm going to be studying or we're going to be studying um, everything from imagination to finances, personal and spiritual freedom, different books every month. And then uh, I'm excited about that. Something everyone can afford um, and a fun thing for me because this is what I do anyway. So I thought, you know, it'd be fun to do that. And I get asked a lot what kind of books I read. So I thought it'd be a fun project. That's quite the educational process, man. I think people love to be a part of a community. And as your community grows and your tribe that you have built, who obviously love to learn and educate themselves or else they wouldn't be following you, to be able to have a community where they can come and engage with you and with each other, I think that's a fantastic idea, man. I support that. I would love to be maybe a part of that. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, there's a place where we can find that and uh, subscribe to that. Is there, a, is there an area, a place where we, could, where we can? When is that coming out? Um, pretty soon, man, we're just, uh, kind of putting everything together right now. Like within the next 30 or 60 days, I'm not like some crazy rush or anything like sure. that, sure. but like pretty soon, like it's, it's kind of the main thing we're putting together. So all my notes from books are being typed up right now. And then they'll just come out. Like you'll get a weekly dr email drip off the designated chapters, kind of like spark notes, you know, yeah. but it'll be on yeah. like cool shit about like conscious <laughs> personal finance or whatever. I love them. it. I love it. Here, here is uh, I guess this could be a selfish question, but I don't really know. I, I live a lot of my life off of intuition, Jake. And um, for the longest time, I had a lot of people tell me, Hey, Wes, man, you've got, you've got a radio voice. You know, you, have you ever thought about going onto those things? And I really enjoy that kind of stuff and started to get in tune spiritually. And I started to kind of listen and to the messengers that surround you and the messages that you can allow in. And, um, I started to realize that, hey, man, a podcast would be really cool. And talking with a lot of people about different subjects that I find extremely interesting could be cool. Now, I've had a lot of people who have, who have told me, hey, your, your journey to 30 years old has been a unique one. You should, should write a book, man. You should talk a little bit about that. I think people would be interested. Tell me this. What did writing one book, your first book, and then three subsequent you know, altogether, what did you learn about yourself through that process? lot man we could talk a whole podcast about that one uh <laughs> it depends you know because there's a lot going into a book right there's some people that write a book just to have the book other people want to get it out and it's, you know which you could hire a pr team which i don't i do my own i'm my own publicist so learning all that aspect of it and and how the publishing a publicist and public relations industry works but i think uh, in a nutshell i probably learned Two things. So vulnerability for sure. And write, a lot of people don't write their own books. They hire ghostwriters. And um, so I know there's this guy, no names mentioned, pretty famous. He just came out with a book 
And um, I was doing a podcast the other day and the guy said, you know, this book doesn't vibe with me that much. Uh, it's cool content, but like, I don't know. I don't feel like connected. And it, I knew the guy had the book ghostwritten. So it's because there, it was his essence wasn't in the book. And I think that I learned a lot about like when you are vulnerable and authentic through your writing, but also it's in your everyday life. Um, you feel better about yourself, but people there's there's genuine connection. In this instance, it's genuine connection between a reader and a and a writer. Um, in our everyday life, it's the connection that uh, um, psychologically we need in order to survive, which is human connection and the importance of uh, authenticity and um, really saying what what is real and what we genuinely feel um, was is really important. I learned a lot about that. And the other thing was. Um, you could teach yourself anything. I got into college because of basketball. It's the only reason I got into college. And so um, I retyped. I learned how to write by retyping The Great Gatsby over and over and over again. Um, so I taught myself how to write. And so you can teach yourself anything that you want to learn. Um, there's obviously there's few people. There's some people that are geniuses like that are just naturally at nine years old. They can do symphonies like Beethoven or you know people like that. But the problem is that when you're born a genius, you generally are like Van Gogh and you cut your ear off and you have all these weird emotional things because you're just like born this way and you don't really know how to grasp it or understand this thing that you have. And so you can learn anything that you want to learn. It's, you know, it's not that hard. As we round this thing out, there's so much that individuals have to learn from you. I feel that one of the great things that or one of the things that makes Jake Ducey, Jake Ducey is your vulnerability that you live with on a, on a daily basis. Uh, you're, you're super authentic. And I think you communicate with that at the forefront. You, you just are who you are. You're going to give it real. And I feel people, um, I have felt that I'd like to give it to you real, you know, and, and continue that kind of symbiotic uh, exchange. I think people don't do that enough in life. People want to hide behind their masks and they, don't, they only want to give you what they, what they want to give you. They don't want to give you uh, what is really going on. How do we as a society improve in that ability to co communicate authentically in our lives? Generally, it's doing this, sharing about the things that scare us. So if it's in relationships, you know, um, Generally, when big fights happen in relationships, it's not that particular instance that caused the fight. It's a lot of uh, pent up emotion over the okay. past resent small resentments right. that add up, right? Um, whether it's someone doesn't clean up after themselves or, you know, whatever the case may be, they don't call them enough. I don't know, right? It could be anything. But <laughs> the point being that, um, I think first things first, uh, if there's a book by, um, I think his name's Brad Blanton, it's called Radical Honesty. I don't agree with all of the concepts in the book, but he talks about how the majority of illnesses are, um, are unexpressed emotions. Yeah. In Steve Jobs' book, he says that he thinks he got cancer when he was working like 20 hours a day when he was doing Pixar and Apple at the same time and just being an ass to everyone. Right, And I thought that was interesting. Like he had all this unexpressed emotion and like all this pent up emotion from overwork and probably anger and all these things like that. Sure. And um, so I think number one is just starting to be more vulnerable and honest with how we feel. You know, one of my best friends, his name is Daniel. And um, 
Daniel and I have had some real conversations where it's like most people would probably get really angry, you know, but it's brought us really close together being like, you know, I really, I really don't like that about when you do that. Or like, I really hate when you did that. That made me really angry, you know, and those types of conversations that actually after they're expressed, there's a new level of respect and connection that wasn't there before. And the relationship goes to a deeper level. Now you can't do that in, in an office space with the person you meet in the elevator, <laughs> you know, for five of seconds. Course. But what you can do, you know, is start to look people more genuine in the, in the eyes, step outside of yourself. You know, Martin Luther King says you can't be free until you cast away the narrow confines of your personal concerns for the broader ones of those around you. Meaning you can never be free inside of your little mind when you're so caught up in your little things that you have to do. So in the elevator at work um, or in your condo or apartment, can you step outside of yourself and look the person in the eyes and say, hey, hey, how's your day going today? Not Oh yeah, it was good. And then turn away because maybe their dude, their son's about to commit suicide or their mom just died of cancer. And that few seconds of talking to them for 45 seconds or a minute, when you step outside of yourself, you find freedom, but also that little interaction, I don't know about you, but I've had, I've had my day changed by a 30 second interaction with a stranger I'll never talk to or see again. And when we can practice that type of thing, we're bringing back the empathy and humanization and connection that our culture has lost because we're so busy on our pursuits uh, of our own, you know, uh, selfish gains about our bills and all this crap that we think we need to worry about. So just stepping outside of ourselves in little everyday reaction, everyday interactions can go a really long way. The person at Whole Foods or at Ralph's or Vaughn's or whatever the types of stores you ever run, talk to the cashier at the grocery store. Nobody does, you know? That stuff can make you feel really good about yourself too because you can see, wow, I actually can have an impact on a stranger in 30 seconds. What could I do if I really devote my life to something? Sure, man. There's so much um, growth to be had when you go outside yourself and allow yourself to connect to individuals. doesn't matter how long you've known them or, or what there's so much to be gained from that. Jake, man, you are the man. I think now the listeners can understand why, where can these people who may be inspired to learn a little bit more about you or maybe pick up your books, where can, where can they find you? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, my website, just my name, Jake Ducey, D is in David, U-C-E-Y, jakeducey.com. And you know, that's, that's everything. That's my Facebook and my YouTube and running a seminar in November. If people want to meet me in person, it's on my website. Everything's just around Jake Ducey online. So yeah, man, you're pretty, pretty easy to find his, uh, TEDx talk. If you're interested in seeing him live doing what he does, his TEDx talk, you can find that easily on YouTube. That is uh, living it versus learning it. Jake, man, I wish you nothing but the best. I would love to continue to to shout you out and see what's going on with you and uh, follow you along your journey, man. I think you're awesome and, and, and keep it going. I, I'm so appreciative that you took some time to come on to creating space and kick it with me. Wes, man, thank you for having me. Yeah, as you can see, Jake Ducey is the ideal guest for creating space. For such a young guy, he's got tons of wisdom, tons of experience in life, and he's willing and ready to share his message. He is unafraid to step out and share what he feels about the world in just his short time living here. I think that's fantastic. 
Creating Space rolls on. We're continuing to bring more guests. Next week, I've got for you Mr. Ben Rosen. Ben and I were roommates in college, and Ben has gone on to have a successful comedy career, and he's also used that wit and that creativity to become a senior creative strategist at Twitter. Let me say that again. A senior creative strategist at Twitter. You're going to get to listen as Ben and I catch up and I get to hear his story of how he's climbed the ladder to the position that he's in. Tons of jokes, tons of laughs. Next week's Creating Space episode is going to be just what you need to put a smile on your face. Don't forget to continue to share, like, comment, and even give me a rating there on iTunes. The more that we can expand the message, the more lives that we can hopefully touch and help other people create space for the best versions of themselves. Guys, keep going out there, putting your best foot forward, and increase that momentum for your quality of life. I'll check you guys next week.